The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or lifehousechurch.org. What we believe matters. Interestingly, what we believe about matter matters. Let me say it again. What we believe about matter matters. That's right. Uh, Our views about the origins of the universe, the origins of life, affect our life every day. Maybe you don't give it a lot of thought, and so you haven't thought about how it affects you every day of your life, but I promise you, it does. Let me give you your two options. Either your life is meaningless, or you are made for more. Either nothing created everything, and if nothing became everything, and you're the result of nothing, then your life means nothing. And so every single day of your life, you go through life meaningless, has no value, no worth, or life has meaning because you were made for more. So let let me start with the first option, and that is that nothing suddenly became everything. So let's talk about how that would have worked. What, What that means is that there was nothing, and then suddenly there was at least something. There was light and energy. And the theories go that nothing became light and energy, and then out of energy, matter began to form. And as it formed, uh, it, it formed in first into very simple atomic structures that eventually became molecules, molecules that eventually formed into very complex amino acids that eventually formed into complex proteins that suddenly and instantly at one point formed into the most simple cells. Now, for those of you that aren't science geeks, and to be honest with you, I wouldn't consider myself a science whiz, but I love this stuff. Let me just give you a little idea of what we're talking about as far as complexity. Maybe you would really like a Rolex watch, or maybe you got yourself one, you spent the family fortune to get it, or you got one that was passed on to you. What makes a Rolex watch unique is how complex it is. The average watch has somewhere between 40 and 100 parts to it. The Rolex watch has about 220 parts to it. It's really complex. The most simple cells on earth are made up of over 42 million proteins. So it would be like taking 220 parts, throwing them in the air, and then suddenly and instantly landing into the form of a Rolex watch. But not just one Rolex watch, 200,000 of them. Imagine taking all 42 million parts of Rolex watches, throwing them in the air, and they all fall at the exact same time, landing into 200,000 Rolex watches, but not just Rolex watches, the kind of Rolex watches that are instantly capable of multiplying themselves. That's what we're talking about here. They didn't just instantly form these proteins, didn't just instantly form into a simple cell, one made of all these proteins, but a cell that was instantly capable of reproducing itself. That's pretty amazing. In fact, so amazing that it's reasonable that some people, when they look in at the world that exists, they go, wow. 
Maybe a scientist that's examining cells under a microscope that goes, wow, this is amazing. Or, or maybe it was the ancient Egyptians who looked up at the sun and, and understood that somehow the sun causes things to grow. And so they began to go, wow, to the sun. And they turned a sun into a god. Or Muhammad, who was part of... Um, a religion that had many, many different gods, but he became obsessed with the moon god Allah. And he became so focused on the moon god Allah that he said, this God is the God above all gods. And then decided to remove all the other gods in the religion and promote Allah, the moon God above all others. Or maybe like many people even today that have begun to worship the earth itself. They, they begin to look in at polar bears or whales or trees and go, wow, this is amazing. So amazing that it deserves my worship. Or that's your one option. Or... There is a self-existent, all-powerful, all-loving, all-knowing God that decided out of his own love to create everything from nothing. And if that's the case, then what does that mean for our life? Now, I, I hinted at this in my first message. My first message in this belief series was kind of an introduction, and I hinted at this idea that everything either came from nothing or everything came from nothing started by God himself. And so we talked about the existence of God, but today I want to talk about what it would mean for God to create everything from nothing and how that affects your life every day. There was an author, um, his name is John. He was a very old man, and I'm not saying that pejoratively. I mean, he was truly an ancient guy. I mean, he was in his mid-90s. Um, he was around as the church is going to the second and third generation of believers, and they're starting to see the story of Christmas as nothing more than folklore. And so he sits down to write a narrative, a story of, the, of Jesus to tell them, no, 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 this isn't folklore. I was there. I remember. And, and so he writes from an eyewitness account of his experience, and, and he's creative in the way he describes the opening of the God story. We're going to jump in. John chapter 1, verse, starting in verse 1, he writes this, in the beginning was the word, and I talked about this last week, the word being this perfect embodiment, this perfect capturing of God himself. If God were to enter into the creation he made, that would be the word. The, the way you and I could actually understand God. He goes, so in the beginning was the word, the perfect way to understand God, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through him, this is the key, through him, the word, Jesus, all things were made, and without him, nothing was made that has been made. I, I like the way, a little bit of a tongue twister there, but his point is, nothing came to existence outside of God. Everything that is created was created by God. Nothing came into existence outside of God. So you needed God for everything to be in him was life. And then he goes like this. God didn't just create everything. God is the author of life. God is the spark of life. God is the thing. God is the one that made things come alive. 
God is the one that took nothing and made it everything. God took non-life and made it life. He goes, in him was life. Not just that he gave life, but that he is life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. I love it because in here is this promise. A promise that no matter how discouraged you feel, no matter how far you feel from God, no matter how many times your life feels empty as though God is far away, maybe God is distant from you, or maybe you look up into the stars and all you see is the stars and you can't sense God. He goes, don't worry. The darkness doesn't overcome the light of the life of God. It's a promise. It's an encouragement. And this writing got... um, narrowed down to or or reduced to a few little statements. Um, That statement was given to churches and and people were encouraged to memorize them. So imagine we were trying to encourage you like, here's what we believe. And and so you would memorize a statement because obviously you're not going to be hard to memorize the entire Bible. And so what are the few things you need to memorize? So back then, they would encourage people to memorize what became known as the Apostles' Creed. It was probably first uh, starting to be encouraged and taught around 100 AD, and then was formally written around 350 AD. And so now all of these um, hundreds and hundreds of years later, we still use the Apostles' Creed as one of those ways that we understand what we believe. And so in that, it opens with this line. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. And so last week I started with, I believe in God the Father Almighty. And this week I wanna just focus on maker of heaven and earth. And amazing how powerful just that statement is. And with that statement, we can understand this about our life. We can discover our why. Maybe you've tried to avoid this question. Why do I exist? What's the point? What's the purpose of life? Well, uh, in that opening of John, he goes, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Nothing existed that was not made by him. Everything was made by him. And he was the light of life, right? At that point, here's where he's going. Your life has design and because it has design, you can discover purpose. Here is the purpose. We were made to worship. Can I encourage you? Maybe just take a moment and make a note of that. Maybe you're coming in new to Lifehouse. Maybe you're even a skeptic. Maybe you're struggling with the idea of whether there's a God and during Christmas, you're curious. Can I challenge you? Here's your option. Life has no meaning or life has meaning and you were made for more regardless of whether life has meaning or, you were, or no meaning. Either way, you were made to worship. Can I encourage you to pull out a smartphone and write that in or pull out an old-fashioned writing writing utensil called a pen and write it down? We were made for worship. That's right. Here, let let me explain. Either way, you were made to worship. That's right. If nothing became everything and there's no purpose to it, you and I are still made to worship. We will just worship the creation. We will worship what exists. If you are made for more, then you'll begin to worship the creator. Either way, you and I will worship. That's right. 
You will either worship the creator or you will worship creation. Your instinct is to love and to go wow at something or someone. So most people, nearly every one of us have an instinct to worship what exists. And so some people look up at the sun and they begin to worship the sun God. Some look at the moon and they begin to worship the moon God. Some see a spouse and they begin to center their life around their spouse or they fall in love and they have a boyfriend or a girlfriend. They begin to center their life. Maybe you've centered your life around a hobby or a habit or most dangerous of all, you've started to believe that you are God. And so you've made yourself the center of your existence. Either way, you will go, wow. You'll go, wow, when you look in the mirror and you'll expect everyone else to worship you. You'll go, wow, when you see your friends. Or wow, when you look at creation and you'll begin to live your life to worship that. Or you will worship God, the creator. Now, here is the challenge. You and I have an instinct to ignore God, to not go wow at God who is invisible and eternal because we find it hard to connect with God because we've been separated from God. And so when we look out at what exists, we can't see past what exists to the one who existed before it. We can't see God. And so instead of worshiping God, we worship the things that exist and, and the reason we do that is because we are instinctively pushed away from God towards saying wow at ourselves and wow at the stuff around us. What pushes us away from God towards saying wow when we look in the mirror and we center our desires and our life around us is sin. Sin, a worship-sabotaging force. It robs the worship of God and it focuses worship on me or on the stuff that I want to love. And when I love and I put my worship on myself or I put my worship on other stuff and I don't put my worship on God, it wrecks me and it wrecks you and it wrecks the world around us because nothing else can handle the worship that God deserves because we raise the expectations to an unrealistic standard and you can never measure up to the standards of worship. Your spouse can never measure up to the standard of worship. You can never measure up to the expectations of worship because what re that requires is perfection and absolute purity and holiness. And so what happens is when we put ourselves at the center or someone else at the center or some created thing at the center. Our life isn't just ruined and off center and off balance. It's headed toward ruin and destruction because sin leads to forever ruin. But God was unwilling to leave you and I on a crash course with sin because he was going to bring us back to the purpose of our creation he was trying to remind us that we were made for more. That's why John writes it this way. Let me jump in. John chapter one, verse three. Through him, all things were made. He's, John's reminding him, hey, by the way, through God, through Jesus Christ, everything, including you, was made. And without him, nothing was made that has been made. In fact, so he's going, okay, understand this. You were made for more. 
What is the more you were made for? Well, let's jump into John chapter one, verse four. He goes like this. Um, in him was life, and that life was the light of mankind. It's God that animates the inanimate. Without God, even though you are alive, you are inanimate. But God animates us. He brings us spiritually alive. He gives us true life so that now the light of God's life begins to shine through us. That's why when you make a confession of the Apostles' Creed, let's jump back to that one. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. What you're saying is, if there is a maker, then we were made by a maker, which means we were made for more. My life isn't an accident. My life isn't centered on me. My life purpose isn't to worship myself or worship my spouse or worship my kids or worship money or worship a vacation. My life was made by a maker. And if it was made by a maker, then I was made for more. And that maker didn't just make us and then leave us be. He didn't just set this whole thing in motion. He had to rescue us from worship sabotaging sin. In fact, Paul, a, a renowned pastor and preacher, a guy who helped start many of the first churches that came to existence, he wrote a letter to one of those churches in the city of, or in the region of Colossae. And so we're going to jump into that letter where he explains the mission of Jesus. He goes, for God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him. So when Jesus came to earth, God took all of himself and put it into Jesus. That's what i described the idea of in the beginning was the word, the perfect essence of God. He goes, so God put his fullness in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. What, what, what's the point of what he's saying here? It's this. Even though God made you for more, you and I were willing to rob God of the worship he deserved. And so God had to come to rescue us from ourselves and from sin. And so God entered into a baby, the fullness of God in the womb of Mary. And when God was born, he was born on a mission, mission to die, to take our sin judgment on himself, to take our eternal death sentence and put it on his shoulders so that as a young man, when Jesus died on the cross, he died in your place and in my place. And when he died, he died the death you and I deserved, absorbing our shame and guilt. But you know, Jesus didn't stay dead. Jesus rose from the dead, and in the power of his resurrection, he not only comes back alive, but he gives life through the light of his life. Right? So when Jesus rises from the dead, his resurrection becomes a light-immersing miracle. And through his resurrection, life begins to shine out into the darkness of sin, and it brings life with it. So that anybody who believes in Jesus by faith has the light of life in them. And now you and I become truly alive. And when we become truly alive, God's spirit enters into our spirit, bringing with him eternal life. And when we have eternal life, we discover the meaning of life. Hold up, I'm coming in. All right, here we go. The meaning of life, that you and I were made for more. You were made for a purpose. You were made for meaning. It's not just that life has meaning. It's not just that your life has value. It's, okay, then what is it? And I'm not going to preach a whole sermon leaving you waiting. Well, what's the point? Okay, here it is. You and I were made to worship. That 
is the whole point. You were designed by the designer for your life to make music. I don't just mean actual band music. I mean a life of worship to God. A good way to understand worship is this idea of making God smile. Anything you do that makes God smile is worship. So when you treat someone right, do you think that makes God smile or frown? So this is how I've taught my kids how to worship God. When you punch your brother, you think that makes God smile or does it make God frown? That's right, it makes God frown. Now, how should you make, how would you make God smile? That's right, you give him a hug, right? You say you're sorry and he squeezes him too hard, you know? Nope, that didn't make God smile, right? But you get the point, right? When you cut someone off and you give them the, your favorite finger, does that make God frown? Or does that make God smile? When you yield and you let somebody in, does that make God smile? When you're generous, when you tip a little extra, all of you are waiters and waitresses and you run on tips, you can say amen. All right, we need that. Okay, the point is, check this out. You were made to worship. Now, I want your mind to get blown a little bit here. In the beginning, there was nothing but God. There was God and there was nothing. God spoke his word into nothingness and everything came into being. That's right. Nothing even worshiped God when his word intersected it. Check this out. There are moments in your life when you feel like you've got nothing left. You got nothing to offer. You don't have enough. You feel inadequate. You feel insecure. And what I know from God's word is that when God speaks, he speaks into nothingness and even nothingness becomes somethingness and has the ability to worship God. And so if you feel like I don't have it together, I can't worship. Maybe, maybe you're looking in at your marriage and you're saying my marriage isn't enough. And God's word is speaking life into the nothingness that's left in your marriage. And even your marriage can worship God. Maybe your finances, you feel like you got nothing left. But as God's word of generosity and hope and faith begins to pierce the finances, his word pierces nothingness and creates somethingness. And that somethingness can worship God. Maybe your fear, maybe your lack of faith, maybe your doubts feel like there's nothing left inside of you. And God's word is piercing your heart and your fear and your doubts and it's turning nothing into something and that something wants to worship God. Don't rob God of his glory and his worship even when you feel like you've got nothing left. Now it's amazing the way God designed creation. He designed creation to worship him and creation exists exactly as you would imagine it to exist if the account that we read about in Genesis is true. Right? There was nothing, and then light, and energy, and then matter. First God formed, then he filled, right? He puts water, then he puts matter. It's crazy that if you follow the creation account, you're like, it, I, scientists are just catching up. Check it out, right? First he creates matter, then life. Then he creates life, and he puts life in the air and life in the water, then on land. Then he creates man and woman. 
He creates mankind. And it's funny because every time I ever hear this stuff taught, even through science, it matches that sequence. And I go, look at that. They're finally figuring out the early chapters of Genesis. They're in agreement with us. The point is this. It was made to worship, not to be worshipped. Catch that? Creation was not made to be worshipped, but to worship God. That every time we look through a microscope or a telescope, we go, wow, only God. That's the point. When you look in the mirror, I hope you go, wow, only God. When you embrace your spouse or your children or a family during the holiday season, I hope you go, wow, only God. You were made to worship. That's right. You were made in the image of God, in the likeness of God. God designed you. He put his image on you. You are an image bearer of God, which means your life has value and significance and worth as you worship God, as you make live to make God smile. Everything about your life was given to you as a gift to please and worship God, to make God smile. Even your free will is a gift, meaning your ability to choose. How? When you choose God's best for your life, it's worship. When you choose to worship, you are leveraging the gift and giving it back to the giver. Let's jump back in because there's one more part of this I want to make sure you don't miss. Not only were you made to worship, but check this out. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world didn't even recognize him. The creator entered into his creation, and the creation missed it. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet, to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. To those that understood, I didn't make myself, and I'm not just an accident. I was made for more, which means I was made by a maker. And if I was made by a maker, then the maker gets to design me. He gets to set my life in motion. He gets to decide my destiny. He gets to determine my purpose and my meaning, which means I exist to worship him. I was made to worship and I must live every day of my life to worship him. You weren't just made to worship. You live to worship, right? A piano wasn't just made for music. It was made to make music. It was made to be played. The guitar isn't just meant to sit there and somebody look at the guitar and go, oh, look, that thing was made for music. No, no, it was made to be played. Your life was meant to make music. Your life was meant to live every day a lifestyle of worship. Well, how do you do that? Because you and I can so easily miss it. I'm gonna give you three hopefully really simple key steps on how you can live every day your purpose, your meaning, your significance. I promise you, the more you worship God, the more you will recognize you matter. The, it, you will discover you're more. You will wake up every day going, that's why I'm alive. That's why that mountain exists. That's why those animals exist. That's why when I go to the beach and I go, wow, it's amazing. The beach exists to worship God. The rocks, the trees, they cry out in declaration of the glory of God. The stars and the planets declare the wonders of a God who created them. You live every day to worship. So how do you do that? Well, 
Let's do it in three steps. Here we go. The first one is this. Worship is focusing my affection on God. We put our affection on things. Did I, did I say that wrong? I'm looking at two different slides. Worship is focusing my attention on God. You and I, we put our attention on a lot of different stuff, especially during the holiday season. Maybe you have your attention on your, um, your wish list. You have your attention on what you're hoping to get, or you have your attention on someone or something, on something created. Worship is keeping our focus, on the, our attention on God. It's focusing our attention on God. So on a daily basis, you got to wake up and say, God, help me keep my focus by putting my attention on you. Then worship is expressing my affection to God. That's right. That's why we sing songs, right? They're lyrics written by artists with the gift to express our affection to God. But you don't need a lyricist to put words to a song for you to express your affection to God. If you've ever been in love, if you have a spouse, you have kids, you get parents, you've told them you love them, I hope you have. If you have it, make a phone call, shoot a text, I love you. In fact, some of you need to, we need to stop what you're doing right now and you need to shoot a couple texts. I just wanna say it's been a little while, I love you. Maybe you lean over to your spouse right now and say, I love you to all of our campuses. In fact, at your homework, put your arm around them. I know you're uncomfortable, I know you had a fight on the way to campus. Usually that happens right before church. I get it. Put your arm around them and say, I love you. We're in this together. Okay. It's putting, it, it's expressing our affection to God. That's right. On a, on a daily basis, on a moment by moment basis, do I take the time to say, God, I give you my affection. God, I love you. God, I'm amazed by you. Thank you for the gift of life. Thank you for the gift of your love. Thank you for purpose. Thank you for meaning. We express our affection to God. And then finally, worship is using our abilities for God. Did you get that? Using our abilities. If God made you like an instrument, if God made you like a guitar, then you got to play it. If your life is created with special gifts and abilities, then one of the best things you can do is use those abilities for God. Don't use them to serve yourself meaning what's at the center of your skills. Most of us, we use our skills with us at the center to promote ourselves, to build our resume and build our reputation. But when we live to worship God, then our goal is to use our abilities to build God's reputation, to build God's resume, to give God the glory, and for God to be worshiped in everything about our life. How are you using your abilities for God? And what I've discovered is that when you use your abilities for God, you won't abuse them or misuse them. You don't cheat on your taxes when you're using your business to worship God. If your driving is worship to God, then you don't abuse your driving. You see? You put God at the center, and all of a sudden, he brings everything else into conformity with his best. Now, I want to I give you an opportunity to respond. Some of you, there's something alive in you right now. Something is starting to come to light. A little bit, a little spark of light is starting to come, come up inside of you. And you're sensing the spirit of God in you and you need to do something with that. And the thing that you and I do with that is we respond first in prayer, then in action. So I want you to respond first in prayer by saying yes to God. Yes, God. 
Yes, God, I, I believe that you made me to worship and I wanna live to worship you. So would you allow me just to pray over you? For some of you, the first time in your life, you're ready to say yes to Jesus. And if that's the commitment and the decision you're making, can I encourage you while I pray, you say, yes, God, I don't wanna live on my own. I don't wanna live with me at the center. I wanna focus my attention on you. I wanna put my affection, I wanna express that to you. I wanna give my life abilities to serve you. Would you allow me to pray over you right now? Jesus, thank you that you did not abandon us. Even though we turned our back on you and we started to worship ourselves and we started to say wow at everything you made, God, today we discovered that we were made for more because we were made by a maker, a maker who loves us and knows us and hasn't abandoned us, but you came to us to animate our deadness and give us life. So God, I pray that that life would erupt inside of every one of us that we would truly come alive. So that God, we, be, we would begin to live, to worship you. We would, our desire would be to make you smile in every aspect of our life. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.